Glenn. Today, Brian and I are here with Anne Boudreaux. She is an author and she's uh, got a big focus on self-worth, so she's going to share a lot about that today. Hi, Anne. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Hi, Nicolette. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. And can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of that journey to that focus on self-worth? Sure, I'd love to. Um, I have grown up all over the world and I experienced something when I was young, um, terrible incidents of bullying. And so I grew up, even though I grew up in a very privileged lifestyle, traveled all over the world, I always felt insecure and distrustful. Um, after that event, it just kind of created this um, just dark veil that, that I carried everywhere I went. But I wasn't really cognizant of it until much later in life. So I um, lived all over the world and then I came to the US for college and ended up moving to Atlanta where I started a career as a marketing and communications director for numerous global companies and remained here surprisingly, even though I, no one ever thought I would, but um, it was a very uh, versatile growing market at the time. So I escalated to the top fairly quickly. And um, about 2011, where I was uh, director of marketing for a worldwide architecture firm, I started feeling the politics were getting so ridiculous and so overwhelming that I decided that now was the time for me to leave a very good, great job. But I wanted to write this book on self-worth because everyone with whom I've interacted all throughout my career has come to me kind of as the, the staff mom, so to speak, for advice. And so I knew that's always where my passion laid and it was time for me to go do that. So I spent the next few years researching, interviewing and writing my book. And it wasn't an easy book to write. Let me tell you, working in the business world was a lot easier. Well, before we kind of talk more about self-worth, could you define self-worth for us? Because I think a lot of times we use terms interchangeably and we don't really know what the true meaning is. So I'd like to start with that. Yeah, you know, and this has been a nuance that um, I gave a speech to a group of people recently and they're like, oh, I think they're the same, but they're really not. Um, and, and, you know, you can mince over words all you want. It doesn't matter. But the truth is that self-esteem uh, I call the outside you. It relates to one's accomplishments in the world, what they do. And from the moment we're born, we are taught to look outside of ourselves, you know, what we do, how fast we run, what grades we get, all of that. So that's our self-esteem. It's predicated on, you know, our accomplishments, whether we're a great chef or a plumber, electrician, whatever we do, how well we do it. Um, so I call that the outside you. Self-esteem is what you do and how well you do it. Um, Self-worth is the much more uh, predominant issue in one's life. It really affects everything you do every day of the year, every day of your life. And it's the inside you. It's what, how you feel in your soul self. Um, it's your value. It's how, whether you trust yourself or not. It's whether you trust yourself to make decisions. It's how worthy you believe you are. And at the end of the day, self-worth trumps self-esteem any day because you can do, you can be the president of our country or, you know, the head of a huge conglomerate or an actress or celebrity, but still suffer from low self-worth. And self-worth is really the lens by which you view every relationship and everything in your life. Sorry for that long explanation, but they're diametrically opposed, even though they're all aspects of who we are as a person. So with, with self-worth, with self um, 
is it, you know, you mentioned like, you know, if you're a good chef, right. And you build on, you build on confidences, right. Do you, do you, does your self-worth grow internally as you have more and more successes? Well, I have, hold on before, let me, because I had almost the same question. So I want to, so when people tell you to build self-esteem, uh, one, one phrase that I've heard is if you want to, if you want self-esteem, do esteemable things. So how then do you counter that? with self-worth if you want self-worth do what worthy thing like what what is the thing I, that's what you mean right brian like what's the how do you build that then well yeah i'm talking more how you build your in your own concept of self-worth right like how you you know as you if you do something and you're successful you go okay i'm going to do this again and maybe i get more success out of it how do you build up your self-worth you're talking about the intertwining of the two and whether self-esteem does help your self-worth is that what you do you're saying um, that the more you accomplish, the better you feel internally? Yes, that's what I'm asking. Is it, well, is it the series of successes that make you have more self-worth, like feel no, more not, not necessarily, which is shocking to a lot of people. I mean, it makes you feel good about what you do. And, and I use Michael Phelps, uh, the greatest athlete of all time so far, as the perfect example because he you know, won all those medals. And after the London Olympics, he, was, um, he started to feel really bad because he wasn't on stage, he wasn't doing what he's known for. And he started to go down into a deep tunnel and nearly committed suicide. And this is someone who by all standards in terms of the athletic world is, was incomparable, but he felt really bad, he felt unworthy. And so they, you know, and, and there are a lot of public figures right now who you can see that they're very powerful, but they're struggling with their own sense of worthiness. So. Any amount of accomplishments are never enough to fill the void of low self-worth. Now, when you're productive and you're doing, for instance, when I help people feel better about themselves and start to feel that they are worthy and that they're lovable, that makes me feel wonderful inside. So of course it does help how you feel about yourself, but ultimately, if you don't really feel valuable or worthy, it's still gonna be this void this thing that you're looking to fill. And, and a great example is I've been working with this um, re rather extreme um, substance abuse person. And she's always going from thing to thing to thing to thing to try to fill this void. And I'm going here, I'm doing that. I'm, you know, she's constantly trying to escape what's in her brain, what's internal. And so even though she's doing things, she's getting further and further away from who she really is. And so that activity and that busyness is not addressing um, the lack of soul, the lack of value, the lack of really feeling like you you matter. You know, I hate to borrow that phrase, but it, it, it comes all down to that. What is the meaning of my life? Do I matter? So, and you, um, for your book, you actually, you worked with about, I think it's 40 trauma survivors. You know, can, we, can you talk a little bit about that experience and kind of what you, extracted from that maybe what's in or not in your book what you personally took away from that yeah there was a lot that I wanted to convey about the struggles that I wasn't you know really able to but what I what I learned and it was a, a massive I mean I have massive amounts of boxes and documents in my office and on my computer is that each individual struggle may have been different the symptoms may have been different from an addict to, to a woman who, whose husband left her and you know, cheated on her and was abusive to her and 
all this stuff, their, their symptoms and how they responded may have been different, but the root cause was the lack of self-worth. So for instance, what I learned most of all from all these people, and it was really at times very emotional and also very inspiring, is that some of these people, one addict in particular hit rock bottom. In fact, he, he really was in a coma and almost didn't make it. And he realized through time and through a, an extensive detox program where he suffered physically and emotionally and mentally that he was far stronger than he thought. And so all of these people realized after these terrible, terrible, and some would make your skin crawl what they went through, um, that they're stronger, more resilient, and that through surviving these challenges, they become really, they evolve into a um, more, more of who they are, a human being. Before they may have been responding to what people thought they should, who people thought they should be. And now they were able to become who they really are, their authentic being, because they knew that nothing anybody could say or do to them would help them. So resilience is huge. And the more we experience, the more nimble we become which one would think it would be the opposite, but it's not. And we have to be nimble in life. It's, it's our saving grace to be nimble and flexible and be able to transcend tragedy and trauma. So I have a question about um, trauma and, and kind of pain levels. Um, and, and this is something that I've, I've you know, um, everybody's pain is their own pain, right? Uh, do you see that as trauma? So something that may be really traumatic for one person may not um may not be for another and something that is so small it's their own trauma so i may not think that this is so traumatic for you but it's your own so do you think everybody has kind of different levels of pain and tolerance absolutely, absolutely. no question about it i mean to use a personal example my mother and we we were so close but she had numerous nervous i mean severe panic attacks and nervous breakdowns growing up for various factors that I won't go into, but she was this fragile, scared, and to this day, even though she doesn't admit it, she still is to some degree, she's grown stronger, but um, little things that would absolutely tip her over the brink of the cliff would, would not do that for me or other people. And so, oh, I mean, there are people that I work with where, I mean, if someone looks at them the wrong way, they interpret it as though there's something wrong with them. They said something or did something terribly. Whereas for other people, they're they're more, you know, s solid on the outside, even though inside they're also feeling some kind of thing. So yes, people experience um, challenges, trauma, inner relationships very differently. And again, it all relates back to how you feel about yourself, because when you feel good, and trust me, I had to figure that out for myself. When you start to really care about yourself and like yourself and become your own best friend, those things will still affect you because we're human beings and we're susceptible to external stimulation, stimuli, but they won't ruin your day. They won't destroy how you feel about yourself. You will say, yeah, that's how they feel. They said something that really didn't resonate with me or hurt my feelings, but I'm gonna get past it. So that's what self-worth does. A lot of people ask me, well, you, you position self-worth as all of a sudden you develop self-worth and everything's fine. No, you know, life is difficult. And particularly now what we're seeing, it's, it's really rough for some people. But with self-worth, you know, deep down that no matter what, 
you will survive and you will heal with time and distance. So is, is self-worth sort of a tie to almost knowing your true self? Like the more you know your true self, the more self-worth you assign to yourself? Knowing your true self is key. One of the things I talk about in some of the videos I've done and stuff is, is when we grow up because our expectations are decided for us. We don't create our expectations. Our expectations are from our parents. You know, they place these expectations upon us, our coaches, our mm -hmm. teachers. And so we start to look outside of ourselves and we start to develop these defense mechanisms because when, let's say your, your dad for me would say, oh, you've got A's, you got straight A's, that's amazing. And so I, I fight and fight and fight to get straight A's. And truly, it didn't really change the way I felt about myself. I still felt like, mm, that wasn't good enough. And, you know, I think that, that um, because I was being someone my father wanted me to be, I wasn't really being who I was inside. And it's very hard for people to strip those defense mechanisms after they've lived with them their entire lives to get to their authentic being. And I know that word's overused, mm -hmm. but it really is like if you strip away all those things that people have said to you or about you or who you think you should be or who you think you should look like and say, this is me and I don't really like these things about me or I really love some of these things about me you'll start to really develop a sense of value. And something very important um, that goes with that is self-trust. And, you know, I've started to write a book, another book about that, because I think when people don't have self-worth, they also lack self-trust, which inhibits their ability to have really great transparent relationships with people. And self-trust is a tenet to self-worth. If you don't trust yourself and if you doubt yourself, you're really held back by this big wall in your life. Well, if everybody has a different um, level of, of pain, do you think sometimes we downplay our own because we think it's not as bad as somebody else? So it doesn't really, we're not really addressing our own issues because, well, you know, it's just this compared to this person who, you know, had a terrible life and all these terrible things happen to them. You know, I'm, mine isn't so bad. I'm just going to hold that, you know? That's a great and very profound question because I felt that way writing my book. I, I would put it away. I'd be like, oh, this is nothing compared to what Deborah went through. This is nothing compared to what people in Afghanistan or Syria are going through. But your life really is about creating the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can have tremendous empathy for other people, but if you're holding and harboring that level of that wound or that scar, then it's prohibiting you from really living your best life. And what that means is living a life that you uh, consider meaningful, not that other people do. And so no, no pain is comparable. You can't do, you can't compare that. You, you just can't. Um, it's impossible. And if it's ailing you, and if it's, you know, as I said, impeding your ability to live a life without chains and anchors, then it is very potent. It's a potent factor to address. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way around it. You could spend the rest of your life comparing yourself. Now, perspective is important. And I talk about that in my book. So I say that you comparing your pain with others is not really relevant to you, but perspective really does help move you down the road to healing. 
So if you are suffering from something and then you realize, gosh, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not dying. I'm going to live. I'm going to get beyond this. Perspective is really important because it distances you from your own problems and helps you see things from a, a more clarity, greater picture. And so that helps. And, but, but no, I, I believe everyone's pain is as important as anyone else's. Absolutely. Because you have one life. Mm -hmm. This is your chance. This is your chance. And the way to, to live the, the, the healthiest life, maybe I should say, is to rid yourself of those scars and wounds, eliminate them, release them, and start to build on who you are as an individual and the beautiful you know, person that's inside of you. It sounds trite, but I'm telling you, all these people that I know and work with, it really is true. We all want to feel joy. You know, we all want to feel painless. Mm -hmm. So I hope I answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Are you, Brian, I see you. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I mean, what I'm getting is it's almost like you need to be able to strip away all those things that are holding back your self-worth, right? Holding you back and strip them out, move them away, get through them however you're going to get through them, right? But move them out of the way so you could find what your self-worth is. Yes, and it's not easy to do. Um, I've, you know, talked to people for years about that because a lot of people, and on, on my Facebook page, I don't know if you've been there yet, but people have commented when I did, I had did this whole thing on letting go of your disguises so you can learn who you really are inside and connect with that person. Because that person is, when, when you are portraying yourself as someone else, you've got this tension constantly, this discord, incongruity within yourself all your life of who you think you should be because who you want to look like, who you want to be like, you know, who your parents think you should have been. And it's constantly fighting against who you really are inside and creating this feeling of unworthiness, you know? And so I, the, the defenses, the, you know, finding, figuring out what are those defenses is very difficult for people because you live with them for so long. But when you really sit down and say, how am I really responding to this? Is this really me or is this, is I'm, am I speaking the way I thought I should speak because my teacher told me that I have a beautiful vocabulary? You know, that's not really about the issue. That's the symptom. That's not the root cause. And so stripping away those defenses doesn't mean making yourself like a puddle on the floor. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, there are a lot of people that talk about vulnerability. Um, and I believe in vulnerability, but I, but I think that beyond vulnerability is the ability to, to strip these walls that you've put in front of you and then really take a good look inside of you to see who that human being is. Because when you have defense mechanism, it really affects your relationships too. I mean, when you're being someone you think you should be or they want you to be, then you're acting on all these levels um, and you're distancing yourself from that person. These layers create a distance between you and that person in the relationship. I, I know that I could talk about this stuff forever and I'm getting a little comp complex. I don't mean to, but no, you're absolutely right. I no, mean, you just can cause me to ask more questions. That's <laughs> You know why it took me almost six years, six and a half years to write this book is because it's such a complex topic. People said to me, you should have chosen this teeny little part of the pizza instead of the entire pizza right, right. the human brain you know the human mind is so complex there's so many dimensions to it um, and there's not an easy answer for anyone 
No, well, you know, I mean, what really occurred to me when you were saying that is how you need to strip away those things so you almost don't fall into those other, and I, 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 you'll probably know the word better than I will, but like those secondary deviances, like things people want you to be, that's you true. know, and that's probably the wrong phrase, but right. you have a point, the things people want you to be so you don't fall in that trap because you get maybe rewarded for your grades or, <laughs> you know, so, but it's like really who are, are you, you have to be able to strip those pieces out to, to figure that out so you don't fall into those other things. Because each time you do, there's a feeling depending on how um, introspective one is, there's a feeling that you're being a little deceitful. Mm-hmm. And there's a feeling that you're being a little bit, you know, and, and I trust me, I am, <laughs> I am carte blanche, that person. I was raised with a father who was super, super, super successful, spoke like seven or eight languages and went to Yale, brilliant, good looking, also a philanderer, but he's gone. But um, I wanted his praise more than anything in my life and to this day people say oh your dad's you know somewhere looking down upon you he's so proud of you and I'm like gleaming inside but you know that's really that shouldn't be what I base my work on it Mm -hmm. should be on how I feel about myself not what my dad thinks of me and that's another thing I talk about when you're developing self-worth is you've got to figure out a way to stop worrying what other people think of you because no one's ever going to they're always going to find some flaw in you. And, you know, that's their issue. That's not your issue. So, you know, basically, I think that getting to know who you are is, a, it's complicated. And sometimes people are fearful of it. And I think that's part of the reason why they're not willing to go there. Um, because it is, you're, you're seeing yourself in such a um, naked way. But that's the only way mm-hmm. to really gra- harness the life you have and um, make it everything you want it to be. Otherwise, you're always working outside of yourself, trying to please other people. And, oh, my wife or my partner or my kid or whatever, they, they, they look at me this way and I have to be this way. Otherwise, I'll disappoint them. That's crap. You know? What's really unfortunate is that when you do do that, sometimes you are deemed selfish. And um, because you are not trying to please everybody <laughs> and, and suddenly that becomes a very, um, you know, uh, it, it becomes the opposite of how it makes you feel. How dare you take care of yourself for, and how dare you, you know, and, and that's unfortunate, you know, because it, I think that deters people a little bit too. And it's a misnomer because um, as I write about self-care, is absolutely inordinately important to um, you having relationships with other people. I mean, I'm a mother of three kids. I barely slept last night, and that's another issue um, that I won't go into because my daughter was out, and you know, I was worried about COVID and all. That. <laughs> but um, you know, if you don't really set aside time to grow yourself and to nurture yourself, it, it's not selfish, and it's not selfish not to put what other people think of you on the front burner. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite. They can give you their opinion, but you don't have to attach it to yourself. Like, they, they, you know, oh, she, when I was, I met my daughter in South Africa, right as COVID was starting, she was on a semester at sea program abroad and it was abruptly canceled when they were in the Indian Ocean and because of COVID. And so I had planned on traveling over there to do a safari with her and everything, but I had to go sooner and change my plans. 
I had so many people ripping, trying to rip me apart, say, that is the most selfish, ridiculous thing you've ever done. It's so reckless. You know, how can you do that when COVID is starting? And in the past, maybe when I was in my 20s or 30s, I would have really been upset and taken it personally. But I was like, okay, that's your opinion. But I'm going to go get my daughter. You know, I'm not going to let her be stuck there and cape down for the rest of her life. So, and the people we met over there are still there four months later. They couldn't get out. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's not, getting back to your point, it's not being selfish. You can still be interactive and listen to people, but you don't have to let it absolutely engulf you and change how you feel about yourself. Um, and that comes with age too. I mean, you're very young, um, but with age comes the wisdom and, and the knowledge that you don't have to be what other people want you to be and you don't have to respond the way they think you should respond. And you can still be friends and still have a relationship. So. Sorry, guys, hold on. My, I, my email just, I'll cut this out. I guess my email just woke up and I had about 10 emails come in. All right. So you were talking about your daughter and um, that reminds me of another uh, question I wanted to ask you about um, bullying because you also mentioned bullying in the beginning of our conversation. and. Um, I think, I, I do believe that you, you focus a little bit on bullying um, and developing self-worth for in children as parents. So what is it that we um, as parents can be doing at a, you know, to kind of instill that at an early age in our children? Um, you know, I, I too was, was bullied all the time, you know, um, and my parents were very, um, my parents were very, uh, how dare they, you know, you're the best, you know? And so I, that helped. I mean, it helped, it did, you know, but is there something they could have done or I can do for my five-year-old or Brian can do for his seven-year-olds to really kind of get that in them at an early age that it doesn't really matter? Or how do you build up that resiliency in children? Yeah, it's difficult. I, I did a piece on CNN about that. There was a kid in Australia who's um, badly, he had dwarf, dwarfism and he was badly brutalized and wanted to commit suicide, you know, eight years old, nine years old. Um, and bullying has become rampant now. It's social media has also contributed to that. People can say and do anything and get away with it, which is ridiculous. But um, my parents did nothing about my bullying and it was absolutely, it was torture. It was so bad. And if you read my book, you'll, you'll read about it. But um, now what we, the most fundamental step that we can take with our children is create a safety net for them at home. Because oftentimes, they will not tell you if someone has said, you know, maligned them or said something vicious to them. And the bullies are the most insecure people in the world. And they frequently have been bullied themselves. One of the guys actually who I interviewed and who endorsed my book is head of CEO of a, a detox and recovery center. And he's redheaded. And he was the only kid in his town in Alabama who had red hair. And so he was horribly bullied for years and no one did anything about it. So for the longest time, he thought he was some kind of alien. And so the, the best thing you can do for your children is one, create a place of safety. Two, make sure that you are constantly asking questions and not, you know, open-ended questions. Like, how are you feeling today? How did, what did you do with your friends? What did they talk about? So that they feel they can tell you anything and there's no judgment. And then the other thing is teach them that people are going to bully. People are gonna say 
unkind things and that they have to realize that it's always a reflection about how they feel about themselves. Now, a five-year-old, is, it's difficult to explain that to a five-year-old, but you can give concrete examples and you can show them videos where someone is being really cruel to someone else. It always reflects back on how they feel about themselves. So you can start building a sense of value in your child by teaching them these things that they're always gonna be bullies in the world, but you have to remember it's not directed at you, even though you feel as though it is, it's not. It's something about them that they don't like, that they you know, direct towards you. As you say that, actually, that is what my, my parents used to tell me. Uh, I, I, you know what, I didn't remember that until you said that. And uh, they said that's, you know, and what I think really helped was um, putting things in perspective. So, you know, for example, one girl in particular who was very mean, you know, they, they encouraged me to look at what she's going through at home. So her parents were going through a divorce and things were really tough. And, and they kind of encouraged me to think about, think about what she's feeling right now and how badly she's feeling and why she's acting the way she's acting, you know? And I think that really helped um, me not take it so personally. I, you actually reminded me of that many years later. Well, kudos to your parents, because my parents just wanted it to go away. They, they, they were friends with the girl's parents. So they just wanted it to go away. So I never dealt with it and it was never addressed. But yeah, and I mean, you can start building that dimension with your child right now. And children, as you know, when they're young, they're sponges, they absorb everything. So the more you open that line of communication, teach them these incredible values that, you know, that integrity, honesty, trust yourself. And if someone says something to you that's not right, trust yourself know that it really isn't about you, it's about them. And the more you discuss this with them, the more it'll ingrain in them in a young age. It's the best, it's like learning a new language. And I developed a concept called the language of self-worth, which is when you say things that are negative about yourself, these critical voices that recycle in ourselves, stop yourself, be aware of those thoughts and know that those thoughts are just thoughts, they're not fact and transform them, transpose them into positive thoughts. And you, you can work on that with your child right now. You know, just if someone says, oh, you, gosh, do you ever change your shoes? Or, you know, your hair is really messy today. You don't look good or something. You say, hey, I'm, you know, just thanks for your comment, but I think I look great. And you start teaching them how to respond, you know, and how not to take it personally. And now's the best time. You know, I had to learn it throughout the years and I suffered greatly, gravely from, from all that. So good for you. Why do you think children don't, um, you know, why don't they feel safe to say things like that? I mean, I, I understand your particular example, but overall, why do you think children are not coming home and telling their parents, are they embarrassed? Are they, you know, f fearful? What, what is that? It's a combination of factors. Um, a lot of times a bully will bully to the point where they're like, you, yeah, you're going to go home and tell mom and dad, you know, blah, 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 you little, you know, sissy or something. I mean, bullies can be beyond vicious. Um, so they want to be stoic. You know, they want to be feel like they're little adults. And so oftentimes they won't tell you. That's why it's your burden and your duty and your responsibility to extract those things. And that's what I do. Even to this day, my kids are grown up, you know, but even to this day, my youngest son is very introspective and he's very sensitive. And so I open the dialogue with him and eventually he comes around and I keep that dialogue going all the time, 
all the time. I, I ask open-ended questions and I continue to support the, the fact that you are a great person. You are honest with me, you, you know, building values that you, that they can take with them anywhere they go is, is a long way to building um, self-worth. If they know that they're honest, they have integrity, they're responsible, you know, they're trustworthy, they're not going to be pushed down by a bully. They're, they're going to know that they're doing, they're, you know, in the right place. So um, keep that communication going at all times. So you mentioned positive thought, right? So, you know, is it, you know, and, and I mean, I think it is, but is it also the parents or the people around someone's also to help lift them up and give them that positive thought when sometimes people are not there, right? You're a good person. You're, you know, is it up to the people around them too to help them lift up their self-worth? Absolutely. Only, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No. So, or is it only something you could do for yourself? I know you got to believe it yourself, but with that it, reinforcement that you're giving. I, I always say surround yourself with a tribe of like-minded people. Um, and through my life, I've had to literally part from people who were sucking the life out of me because I allowed them to. I didn't create any boundaries. But yes, surround yourself with people who like themselves who are positive, uplifting, it's not always possible. I mean, especially with family, you have family members that, you know, sometimes you, you can't cut the ties with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and you just have to take them in doses and realize what they're going through is what they're going through and it doesn't impact who I am. But um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. The people you interact with are such important to your daily life and your well-being. And vice versa, your energy translates to them and their energy translates to you. So if, if you're with, I used to have a really close friend who was so negative all the time. I finally had said, sorry, we have a long history together, but you're bringing me down all the time. And it's not because I don't believe in myself. It's because you're with someone who's saying bad things all the time. It's going to affect your energy. You know, so absolutely. It helps to keep people you can't always choose to because especially in the work environment mm -hmm. you're given you know you're given this group of people and there are people who are miserable out there and right now there are millions who are miserable yeah. so you have to just but in your close circle choose those people wisely yeah. very wisely absolutely and i think even the people like you know you mentioned like a work environment you sometimes can't choose that but you know i, I believe it's our job to sort of try to help them do you know what i mean be positive absolutely. about about situations. Oh, I love your shirt. I'm just seeing. Oh. I love that. That's a great shirt. That's <laughs> a great shirt. Um, no, it's true. I, I, I'll give you a quick example. I was at Target uh, before COVID with, with my son, my youngest son. He was much younger. It was many years ago. But the woman, the checkout woman was so nasty. I mean, that's the only way she was yelling at people. And she's like, get that up here. Blah, blah, blah. So by the time I got up there, she goes, what? take that cream, put it here and do this. And she was, and my son was like, let's get out of here, mom. And then I started engaging her in a conversation and I was just so upbeat. And how are you? What's going on in your life? And she ended up telling her a story and she smiled when I left. And yep. my son Colin's like, mom, I was kind of upset that you did that, but now I see why you did that. You changed her day. Mm -hmm. And just that ounce of positivity could have a longer term impact on that woman's life. I, I agree. I agree. Even even smiling at someone or saying how I could change the whole outcome of their day or their life, you just never know what you know that positive energy does for people. So important, especially now. I mean, it's it, it could not be more important than right now in our country. And 
we thank you so much for, for joining us to talk about this. Um, can you please tell everybody where they can learn more about you, where they can get your book? Going on. Well, thank you for having me. You guys are, I could talk to you both all day. You're, you're great. You're great interviewers. I was really enjoyed being with you. Thank you. Um, my book is available on Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com and also my website, which is um, anneauboudreau.com. And then um, feel free to follow me on Facebook. I post inspirational messages all the time. I have two accounts, my personal account but my author account is Anne Boudreau Author on Facebook, and then I'm on Instagram and Twitter. But uh, so, and if you have any questions or would like to talk to me, um, send them to Nicolette and Brian, and then I will go from there. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you both. You're really you. genuine we people. We appreciate it so much, Anne. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Enjoy yourselves. You too.